Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the following week, diving into theological discussions, and even having a little bit of fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify and download our app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the first episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Zion. We're just going to go through and have everybody introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Kate Hopple. I work in kids ministry here at Zion, and it's a pleasure to be here. You're, you just became a Hopple. I know. Though. I almost said Kate Garner, so <laughs> I still it's like a, call the, you that. the artist formerly known as Kate Garner. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, my name is Casey Schlichty, and I work in social media here at Zion. Yeah, you do. Hey, I'm Jennifer Colby, and I do all things adult ministry here. And and she means all things. I do. I do literally mean all. And She's also, um, love this city is also kind of my baby as well. And and I actually I think it'd be fun to talk a little, a little bit about love this city. Share just a little bit about what's going on there. So real quickly before we yeah. get to that. So the the purpose of this podcast, as we just talked in the intro, is we're we're kind of going to be breaking down what we talk about in the sermons. And for those listening and who don't know this, we do actually a sermon read through twice a week uh, for every sermon. And it's an opportunity just to kind of get different perspective, make sure things are landing. Whoever's preaching, whether I'm preaching, Jennifer is, Derek is, that's he's our youth pastor or our family pastor. Um, but it allows for different perspectives. And what we found was these conversations got really fun and we don't always agree. <laughs> and sometimes what we're finding is we're all kind of still working through stuff. And that there's actually a lot of beauty in the fact that the goal of the Christian life is not to have all the answers or everything figured out. It's realizing that we're always in process, always developing, and sometimes our perspectives shape that. So that's what kind of birthed this whole thing. This whole the idea of the podcast was coming out of the conversations that we were having in these sermon read-throughs, and I'm actually really excited about them. But with that being said, we've got uh, we've got love this city. Yeah. And just share a little bit about that, and really not a lot of time, but just tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's really the idea that God said, love God, love your neighbor. And so what would that look like if he meant literally your actual neighbor? What would our city look like if the Christians uh, really rose up and loved the people who God placed around them? Yeah. And so that's kind of what Love the City is. Um it's great because we live in North Iowa, so it includes Clear Lake and Mason City and Forest City and Garner. And it's really just this idea of, like, we're planted here, so let's blossom here. Let's yeah. serve and love well. And, um, yeah, love the city. Jesus loves the city. So. And you and I have been talking about this idea for well over a year and a half. Yeah, long and, time. And to see it starting to develop and already things taking place. It's like the local missions push. Like, your feet are where your mission field is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, hey, let's let's dig in. So we're actually having our first Sunday at the park is, is well, actually, you'll be listening to this after the first Sunday. Yes. But we we're going to be we're reading through that. We're doing a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's actually a multi-series event. And we're starting a new series called God is where we're going to be exploring the Lord's Prayer to kind of understand God's heart. But it starts off with this text in Matthew, chapter six, um, verses five through eight. And. One of the things that I'm finding in this whole, everything that we've been doing is Jesus makes me super uncomfortable. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> and I, I, for years, I've been used to hearing sermons that are, you know, they're encouraging, they're uplifting, sometimes challenging. But it's amazing that when you actually just listen to the words of Jesus, he's going to push you out of your comfort yeah. zone. Oh, yeah. And the Sermon on the Mount is one of those. Um this week, we're actually talking about this, that we were created to connect with God. And specifically, that we were created with eternity in our hearts. That's Ecclesiastes 3.11. From, that's King Solomon who wrote that. Um, I'd love to just talk about, I mean, even in Clear Lake, even though we're this small town, we have spiritual things taking on. I mean, we have, we have different, uh, honestly, businesses that are exploring different aspects of spirituality, New Age, uh, there's a hunger, not just in small-town America, but all over the United States for people wanting something deeper. Like that's like they want to connect. What do you guys think is driving that? I mean, what inside of people is making them want to explore? And some of them are good. Some of them not so good. Let's just be honest. Some of them are not very healthy. But there's something inside of people that longs to connect with a higher power, a higher being. We call that God, that person God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What do you guys think? 
I always used to say that I had like a God-shaped hole. I was born with a God-shaped hole and I tried to fill it with anything else. You know, you think of like the new age when you say that. I think of like the fun, like crystals and new agey things, um, all that different kind of you know, I think hippie, like hippie mentality, you know, yeah. but yeah, like this, this the energy unity. and yeah. the, the, the peace in Mother your Earth and aura kind of yes. thing. Yeah. And it's like, you're looking for answers to this big question mark that is lingering. Everyone, I mean, what, why are we here? Where did we come from? What's my purpose? Yeah. This God-shaped hole. Well, and, and you're new to faith, rather new. I mean, you're a yeah. five-year-old Christian. That's right, five years. And the way you described yourself as like a militant atheist, is that, did I remember that yeah, correctly? Yeah, pre- pretty hardcore. <laughs> you know, I'm... I don't know if I could have a conversation with myself five years ago. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm a strong enough Christian to handle, you know, BC Kate Garner, formerly known as Kate Garner. Kate Hopple. Kate Hopple could not handle Kate Garner. <laughs> it's... When I have conversations, I mean, I have friends, and, and I'm assuming people listen to this. I mean, I know a lot of people that are going to listen to things like this or go to church are Christians or exploring faith or intentional, but there really is a hunger. Yeah. Um, I really think when, when we look at how we were created, you know, God, the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, we were created to want to be in relationship. If we were created in God's image, then part of that includes being with other people. And I think there is this deeper connection that we need for a higher power for something. Because here's the thing. If it's just about me, if it's just about what's here on earth, that's that kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. no, there's got to be something better. And I think it's this, I think it's that, that created relational and hope that's kind of placed in us of like, is this it? Or is, is there more to this? Yeah. And I think that's kind of where this exploring really, really takes place. Yeah. Well, were you going to say something? Yeah. Um, I think that there's definitely, I mean, I'm going to speak from like a, a, like a, like a Gen Z perspective here. Um, I think that there's, especially with my generation, there's a lot of curiosity and there's a lot of want to know more. And I know a lot of people my age and just like a little bit older than me that are like, no, I read my Bible every day and I have a good relationship with God, but I don't consider myself a Christian because there's a lot of trauma with that. And Mm. like, I think for a lot of people there's, when you say I'm a Christian, they automatically shut you down. Um, because just the word Christian has such a strong meaning to it that people will try to fill that God shaped hole in their heart with anything else because they don't want to they don't want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's not even necessarily that they don't believe in God. I know there are people like that. I know for me personally, before I came to faith, I was, I would have considered myself like agnostic. I was like, there's something there, but he's really big and scary. So he's going to do his thing. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not going to mess with him. I'm not going to be mean to him. I'm just going to do my thing. And so I think for a lot of people, it's just having to come to terms with that or even look into that is so scary that they're just going to look anywhere else. Well, and, and, and that's, you know, one of the things we talked about this past weekend, um, the, the notion of religion, I mean, we connected it to this Latin word, uh, religare, and I'm probably saying that wrong because I don't speak Latin, but the idea No one of, does. It's a dead language. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's religare. Religare, like yeah. It's, what, it just makes it sound like a Harry Potter thing. <laughs> religare. Say it with confidence and no one will question Rel- you. It's pronounced religare. <laughs> Not Religare. <laughs> That's for you Harry Potter geeks out there. Um, but the, the, what, what history tells us is that the Latin root of the word religion is religare or religare, whatever you say. It means to reconnect, to bind together, to gather up. And that's where we get our word religion. And that's really what religion is. It's our attempt to reconnect with something that was lost. Yeah. I think if you connect like what the Zoomer over there, Casey, or Gen Zer, and what Everyone. Jennifer were saying of like, we are created in relationship, and if you don't have that community to back it up when you're trying to, like, decompress and deconstruct your religion or this notion of what Christianity you think it is because you don't know if you're not in community, then you don't know. You just have this idea of what you think the image is. And I think, I don't know if this is related or not, but it just feels like there's so much self-help, and, and there's a lot of hurt and so these people, and so people have trauma and wounds, and they need to forgive, and they need forgiveness. And so they, there's like this inner knowing of that, but they don't ha- they don't know the outer expression. So mm-hmm. they they seeking and grasping at all these things to try to to try to fill that void and to be like, I know I'm hurt, or I know I have something I need to work on, without knowing how to fix it yeah. or what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think about um, 
and you can think of what you want about Oprah Winfrey, and I've, I've listened to some of her podcasts and her story, but she's one of the most influential people in the, in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure in the United States, possibly the world. And she talks about she was raised in a Christian home and for years considered herself a Christian, but now she just labels herself as spiritual. She believes in a God, this higher power. She looks for it. But she abandoned her Christian faith because of woundedness mm-hmm. that came from in the church, if I'm, if I'm remembering her story correctly, and I've listened to it several times. And I've met a lot of Christians like that, people who were raised in the church, yeah. had bad experiences. And, and a, a human nature, I get it. Like the, the Bible actually tells us that the body is the church. Jesus is the head. But the only ones that we interact with daily are the body, are the people. And we, we've talked about this in, in our other conversations, and I think I've even said it from the stage. Sometimes it feels like non-Christians are much kinder than Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And so if religion is our attempt to connect with God and the primary way in which people feel like they can connect with God is through church, well, the church is filled with broken and flawed people. I'm part of that, yeah. right? All of us are. But I, and I especially think maybe in the past we've pointed to the church as having like, well, this is where you're, this is the this is what the healthy is supposed to look like, and then you yeah. go to the church and it's not healthy, and you're like, oh, yeah. so. false advertising. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want out. I want out. And Back so, up. what do they end up doing? Well, they're going to go to something else, and so they explore other religions, or they they take on. Well, I'm a little bit of this and a little bit of this. Uh, yeah. Twenty about twenty years ago, I had this friend named Adam. We haven't talked for seventeen years, but he was. <laughs> Born Jewish, became a Baptist, and then converted to Buddhism. But oh, wow. he called himself a Jewish Buddhist Baptist. <laughs> and, like, he was a practicing Buddhist, but he believed in, like, some of the philosophy of Christianity, because Buddhism and Christianity are very similar mm-hmm. in philosophy. And yet he liked a lot of the Jewish stuff, but he didn't want to identify with anyone. But it, I meet a lot of people who, because of woundedness in the church, they're connecting. They think religion is how you connect to God. Yeah. And and that's that idea is that religion is our desire to reconnect. It's to connect with something holy, something divine. And whether that be AA, which, you know, one of the first things in the big book is you have to acknowledge there's a higher power. There's mm-hmm. something inside of people that knows we're missing something. I think I, there's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Casey. I think there's also, like... Um, I was reading this article the other day, and it was very fascinating. I'm, I'm obsessed with like generations. I just think they're fascinating and like the neurological differences between them. But I think there's a lot of people who don't want to join religion because they don't. They feel like they're being brainwashed. They feel like it's like a cult or something. Um, especially that are like millennials or Gen Z, because in like the 70s and 80s there was a lot of like religious cults in a sense, and like those were brought forward a lot into the news, like Waco and. Uh, I can't remember the one of Washington. Oh, Jonestown. Jonestown. Well, Children of God. I mean, there was, there's all there's kinds so of There's so many of them. And that, that, yeah. like, that religious trauma from that generation in the 70s and 80s, they kind of warned their kids about it in a sense, or they talked about it more, and there's all these documentaries and TV shows about it that I know a lot. I know a lot of my friends that, like, I would bring them to a church service or something like that, and they're like, don't drink the Kool-Aid, you know, where <laughs> it's like they, they're yeah. so separated from it that the idea of even going toward it is terrifying. Well, and this is actually why I wanted you, Jennifer, to talk about the love the city, is that part of the thing I think separated the church from the world is that for a, for many years, and I, I got saved in 1989. You weren't even a thought. Process. Uh, you weren't even a thought process. Were you born yet? I, I'm not telling you my age. You never ask a woman her age. Yeah, Kate Garner would have told you. Kate Hopple, no way. So, but I remember in, in New creation. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Thanks. Most churches, everything it was expected that people went to church. The church didn't go out to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And the church kind of, we huddled inside of our walls. And, and the only way you got to hear about Jesus is if you came in. And then every once in a while, the only people who ever went out were the ones like street preachers. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones that people were like, I don't want to be oh, like weirdos. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want yeah, that. well, and, and that's the thing is people would see that. And, and I have friends that are street preachers now. Um, uh, and God's doing some great stuff. So I don't want to say that's always bad. But the church kind of insulated itself. And now in the last 15 years, more and more churches are realizing people don't want to come into the doors in the church first. We, go out. we have to go out. Mm-hmm. And to, like, give a church some credit, you know, it's hard to be on the inside. It's hard to be, you know, like the man on the inside. To be a Christian is hard. And you, you want to insulate yourself from that. You want to protect yourself. It's scary to step out there. It's scary to share the gospel, to be the weirdo on the street. Like, how do you, how do you share Jesus without being a weirdo? You kind of have to give some, 
you, you can see why people retreated. You can see why the church started to try to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. I think, too, I think I also need, I think we should give some credit to the church. of They actually did go out. I mean, if you think about the, the first century church, that's oh, how yeah. people were coming. The early church. Right. Oh, early, yeah. The early, early church. First, yeah. first century is the right first word. Century, the early yeah. church. First century church. Yep. And even, like, hospitals. You're like, there are there are things that the that churches have done that have made major improvements to their community and just by loving them. But I think what gets hard is you have to, part of the loving is serving and part of the loving is, you know, putting Christ first and not, not being about yourself or not being about. Well, and the churches became a sanctuary from the world instead of a sanctuary for the the world. world. world, And all of a sudden it became, we need to go in here so we can escape everything in the world that's wrong and all the bad. And, and I, just watch the news. Like, there's a lot of messed up stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think a shift has taken that's gotten us back to really the first century. And, and you're right, a, a little bit of church history. Um, when the plagues would hit, everybody else, all the other religious leaders from the Greco-Roman cults would bail because they didn't want to die from the plagues. Christians were the ones who were going, well, we don't care if we die. We're per- First of all, we belong to Jesus. If he wants me to live, I'll live. And they were caring for people dying from plagues. And that was so... So um, so different that that's actually one of the things that's credited to the rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire. And, and for a lot of the things, our modern-day hospitals are the direct result of Christians stepping in. The slavery-ending movement and abolitionist movement started with William Wilberforce. I mean, the church has the church become has known. The church has risen up in occasions. Throughout yeah. history. Yeah. And it just it felt like, particularly my generation, it was more about go inside, sure. inside internal. And now the last 15 years— now we're saying, wait, we do want to connect. We want people to connect with God, but people now are afraid to go into the church. Going yeah, back yeah. to your point, and it's, and you can't you can't see through the doors. It's I say it a lot with like from like a social media marketing perspective is if they know what's behind the doors, it is so much easier to walk through them. That's why yeah. most businesses you see in the last 10, 15 years have changed their front doors to huge glass doors or huge glass windows because it's so much easier to walk into a place if you know if into the room if you know what it looks like that's why the park is such a great opportunity Mm -hmm. because there's physically no doors there's not even an opportunity to have to go to the instagram or facebook page there's no doors into the park well and one of the things we were talking about in the the sermon read through is you know we've been really focusing on becoming a people of the book and sunday mornings we've really been digging into scripture and making sure it's not about what jason miller or whoever's preaching has to say and it's really i mean it's God's word that brings life, and it's the Holy Spirit moving in people. Pastors, teachers, preachers, they're just being faithful to the text, hopefully, mm-hmm. right? And this message in particular, Jennifer, you brought this up in the sermon read-through, was this felt like kind of a step backwards because it was a lot more evangelistic in nature. And we had this conversation, and, and for me, I'm looking at the park as this opportunity. And for those who don't know Zion or maybe you're listening and checking this out, um, for the entire summer, our church does church in the park. And I would say we have a lot of people who have come to Zion because they snuck in from the sides of the park. And, I mean, we get anywhere from five to 2,000 people on a Sunday, and a lot of them come from all over because Clear Lake is, well, first is where Buddy Holly died, so we get a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a touristy area anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's and, a hallmark town. But we get, for, for three months, we have this, we have 14 Sundays, I think it is, in which we get to focus and share the gospel with people that may never step foot in the doors of the mm-hmm. church, but will listen. Yeah. And and so how do we walk in that balance? Because we are, we want, it's God's words that brings life. That's right. It's not about me. It's not about whoever's preaching. I mean, there are way, it's way too easy to, hey, let the pastor share his wisdom. No, I, I'm just trying to help people understand scripture better. And that's what we talked about at the very beginning of this. Yeah. Jesus is super uncomfortable. <laughs> and and if you take the words of Jesus seriously or Paul, whoever's writing, man, when we really press into these things, they challenge us. And and this was kind of what we were talking about today. And I, I want to kind of get into the text a little bit. But we, we talked about, I gave some stats about the world and how religious the world is becoming. And that while people aren't going to church as much, and the reality is church attendance has declined 30% from 1990 to 2020. And someone in our someone was asked the question, well, that's about 10% a year. No, it actually started off with like 3% decline for 10 years, and then it was like 7%. And then in the last 10 to 12 years, it sharply declined, and it seems like it's declining more. And yet, as much as people aren't coming to church, people are identifying themselves as spiritual. Yeah. 
and more importantly, the 70% here are two statistics. 70% of people still have a sense of wonder and awe about the universe. Now, that doesn't mean God, um, but it means that they're looking out into the universe and going, this is amazing. There must be something behind it. And it's hard to look at the universe and not be in awe of how, I mean, just the fact of how tiny we are in an infinite number of galaxies. That always makes me think of like Psalm 8. You know, like, who am I? Who are humans that you would think of me, God? Yeah. You know, like that kind of wonder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the phrase, I'm sorry, go ahead. But I was just thinking the phrase spiritual is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Because it's it's really, um, I believe there's a higher power, right? I, I, I'm acknowledging that there's something within me that is, was created for more, that wants more, whatever. Um, but I don't want to commit to one thing yeah. because one thing is exclusive. Mm-hmm. One thing is offensive. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting that it's, it's easy for people to go, well, I'm spiritual. Yeah. But is Christ Lord of your life? Yeah. Like those are not the same thing. And, um, spiritual is like the words or the phrase spiritual is kind of like the cop out. Well, and I think what it does is, and, and particularly because, and this goes back to the church's representation and we have to acknowledge this. We have not always loved the world well. And sometimes mm-hmm. the people who have loved the world well are not Christian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so now you have somebody who's exploring and they're going, well, I want to believe in Jesus, but these people love me way better or they're way more kind. And I think the church is aware of that. I, I think we've, I think we're repenting of that actively in churches today. And I think that's why we're seeing some growth and seeing churches, people coming in. Even at the doors of Zion, we have people that are coming in who are being asked being drawn in from friends and they're, they're feeling welcome. They're feeling cared for. They're, they're feeling things are different, which is awesome. And there are churches that are growing and that's where the number is, is weird. Sure. Mega churches are getting bigger. The smaller churches are getting smaller, but there are, there is church growth. It's just not happening across all churches. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding again, and this is, this is the next one is that even in, even in spirituality. And I, I, not only do I agree with you, that word spirituality becomes a way to say, well, I'm more than just my flesh. I'm more than just my mind. There's a part of me that I don't really know what it is, and it connects to something outside of what I can tangibly touch, see, understand. I liked when she said that it's like a cop-out, or it's like, oh, it made me think of a lukewarm Christian. It's like spirituality is like, you're not even lukewarm. You're like wet. You're a wet Christian. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and, and, and again, I think that's this comes in the next part, is that even in spirituality, they start to delve into spiritual practices. Sure. Things that the Bible encourages, like they'll read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Meditation. Reading the Bible, taking time in the morning to do everything like that. And I mean, like even, I think that there's there's the curiosity of the universe. And there's also people who I know who have just gotten like apathetic towards it in a sense. Like I know someone who she she refers to herself as a, as, as a smorgasbord on, like, on a cheese board of a planet. Where like she is just here to live and then she's just going to die. And because I think you go one way or the other, where you get really curious and you look anywhere or you're just like, this is so overwhelming and I'm, I, I just don't care anymore. Whatever yeah, happens, happens. Almost a nihilism. Yeah. yeah. Like it's all going to, who cares in the yeah, end? There's no, there's no point. Which um, that's an interesting concept because I, I feel like the, the most da- dangerous is it might maybe the right word there, but I was talking to someone recently and um, he's a psychologist counselor And he was kind of just saying the scary thing, like when we talk about suicide and mental health, like the scary thing is that it doesn't matter. It's Mm -hmm. this really idea that like my purpose, my life has no, it doesn't matter when I'm gone. It doesn't matter. It's, it's that hopelessness. Like when you talk about again, suicide and depression, that becomes a really uh, scare. Like he's like, those are the people who scare me. Those are the people who are going to be serious because there's no hope and it it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There's no purpose. Yeah. No one wants to be cheese. No, <laughs> I, do wow. like, I do like charcuterie, but I love a good Jarlsberg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this this is one of the things that I'm for me is intriguing is not only are people finding on the universe and they're looking up and saying there must be more. There must be something that, I'm not saying they believe that something is Jesus mm-hmm. or even the God of the Bible, but they're acknowledging there's got to be more. And there are atheists. There are people that are saying, I don't believe but the number of atheists is way smaller than we give credit for. Like yeah. it's in the percentiles. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not 10, 15%. It's way smaller. But religion as a whole is found throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And we also have different practices that seem to be throughout history have been practiced by different religions. They're not unique to Christianity, prayer, meditation, um, 
serving the poor. Sacred yeah. text. Sacred text. Like these are all things. And and this is the one that for me I was like, this is interesting. Regardless of faith, about 60%, over 60% engage in some form of prayer. Whether it be regularly or frequently, prayer is a part of that. And that's really where we're coming into the text from this last week is, and I'll just, I'll read the text, right? Because Jesus is going to be talking about prayer. And as we're processing through this, Jesus gives a clear model of how not to pray. And we taught and we talked about that instead of focusing on what not to do, what's the invitation? What's Jesus really focusing on? And so here's the text. It's uh, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is... Jesus is talking about some specific things, Casey. We that word hypocrite in the Greek just meant an, <laughs> it means an actor. Yeah. And the Greco-Roman actors would put a mask on their face to play yes. a character. And it wasn't it wasn't even um, I'm a theater person. <laughs> uh, it wasn't even so much of like oh I'm going to play Jack Kelly and Newsy, so I'm going to wear this mask. Um, it would be you're going to be the protagonist in this story. So there was a certain style of mask you would wear. If you're the antagonist, there was a certain style of mask you would wear, regardless of the play or show you were in. There was you would put on a mask to be somebody to represent Hi, the Enneagram threes. <laughs> to represent the archetype of who you yeah, are, right? Exactly. And so here Jesus is saying. The hypocrites are the people who act spiritual. They put on the masks. Of, look, look at me, I'm spiritual, mm-hmm. but they're really not. And I don't think Jesus clearly isn't saying praying is wrong because we're encouraged to pray. And actually, he says when you pray, there's an assumption that you actually do and will. Mm-hmm. And I think that assumption goes to not even just Christians. I think he knows God humanity. Knows. Yeah, humans yeah. pray. We've all yep. had that, like when before I did, well maybe not all of us, but I definitely <laughs> did like before Jesus, where I'd be like. God, if you're real, help me find my keys, and I promise I'll yeah. I'll give up potato chips for you. I promise, help me find yeah. my keys. I'll right? be in church every day for a year, yeah. God. Thirty-six out of fifty-two, I promise. And then you find your keys, and you're like, oh, just that was kidding! Wow, good thing I looked for these. Right? God had nothing to do with that. Ah, I was just gonna. Um, there's also people, even when they don't believe in Jesus, they receive your prayer to Jesus, which I think is such an interesting. Like, if I can pray for you, or if I do pray for you. That's an interesting concept, right? Like, why would they re- why would they acknowledge your prayer or receive your prayer or have your prayer bless them when they don't believe in the God you're praying to? I, I've I've on a, on a few occasions I've had individuals say they don't want prayer, Christian or not, and I've had a couple that were really mean, like oh. like I had some guys cuss me out at one point. Like I've had weird things, but mo- you're right. Most of the time, people are like oh, and sometimes I think they love the thought that you care enough to do something yeah. you believe in. Uh, mm-hmm. Penn and Teller, mm-hmm. uh, which who's the guy who talks? Not the. <laughs> Pen. It's Pen. Pen. Okay, so he he did a, he did an interview where he said, "Listen, uh, if you're a Christian, I admire a Christian who has the conviction to actually Absolutely. tell me about your faith. Mm-hmm. Like if you really believe in it, you should tell me." Yeah. This is a guy who's an atheist who's yeah. acknowledged he doesn't believe, but he would he respects when somebody if they really believe that that their conviction leads them to do it. I think sometimes they're touched by the fact that your conviction has led them to care enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also this is something for us is that. Going back to Kate's point, people do pray even if they don't realize it. It's usually in those hard moments. And and here within church, and I think this is the challenge that Jesus has given. Jesus is talking to religious Jews because mm-hmm. that's his audience. But I think he's talking about spiritual people who think that it's prayer that connects you to God. And yet the thing is, it's not prayer that connects you to God. It's Jesus who does. Mm-hmm. And And this is where... In spirituality, you'll do all these spiritual disciplines hoping that that's enough yeah. to connect you. When Jesus is like, no, no, I'm I'm the connection. I'm the source. No one gets to the Father except through me. You can't doo-doo your way out of doo-doo. <laughs> Kate Hobble, kids director. <laughs> I, well, it's funny that you even say that because if the reli- if the religar, however you say that. Um, Religare. Religare. connect and religion comes from that. It's this idea that, you know, man, man make religion to reconnect which insinuates that there was already a connection right and that the connection got broken yeah and so i don't know 
I just, I'm just, Jesus is that connection, yeah. right? Jesus was the connection. It got broken through sin and religion is the thing that we try to reconnect with. with and the God. difference is it's us, it's us trying to reconnect. That's right. And yeah, whereas, which doesn't, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Which, I was just going to say, which doesn't work. No, and doesn't it doesn't. Work. And it's like in James, James says true religion, true religion is caring for the poor. It's caring for the widows and the orphan. But here's the difference. It's not, it's not reconnecting. It's strengthening the connection. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's when true religion is supposed to come out of a connection that already exists. Yeah. But that's the, the only thing is we can only do that through Christ. It's like the good works and things like that are because you are connected to the vine. And you're, that's the fruit that you bear. Yeah. Because you are connected, can you do these things like care for the poor and pray and things like that because you're connected. And until you understand that you're connected through Christ, you can't do that well. It's not good fruit. Well, mm-hmm. and I think if to not be PC, and I, the goal of this is not to be PC, we want to believe that God hears all prayers. The Bible says there are prayers God doesn't hear. When you're not praying to him, he doesn't hear your prayer. Mm-hmm. And in this case, in this text, he's saying there are some people who aren't praying to God. They're praying to everybody else around them. Sure. And, and I'll tell you, I'm I've been guilty of this. Like, yeah. The passive-aggressive Christian prayer. Well, not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but even like that, I remember sitting and we'd do prayer circles. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I'm not a big fan of prayer circles because typically what they are is each person trying to either sound more spiritual than they actually are. So we use good Christian language. <laughs> Get competitive. Christian Or who can ever pray the longest or yeah. has those things. But I still remember um, we would, if you have a large youth group when we were kids, we'd all stand in a circle and then we'd all give our prayer requests. And then we'd say, okay, who's going to pray for this? Who's going to pray for this? And I remember thinking one day, like, wait, doesn't God already hear these things? Like, do we, is it some magic formula now that because we're in a, a circle, that now if we say it, now Jesus was listening. But before, he wasn't. Mm. And, I, and I wonder if sometimes there might be truth to that. Because the reason why God is there, if, if particularly if you're Christians, if you're followers of Jesus, you're his children, you don't have to reconnect. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. I think we have to remind ourselves of that, that it's not some, well, we, we better ask God's presence to be here before we pray. No, God's presence already He's is already here there. because we're here. Be willing to accept it. Yeah. And I think, like, for me, I've always kind of struggled with prayer. And I def- I grew up in a very strict church. And so I remember, like, growing up, and we were, we were taught that prayer was selfish um, because, like, God's already given you everything that you would ever want. And so, in our, like, if you're not doing like Lord's Prayer, Hail Mary's, stuff like that, you're asking for more and you're asking for things that if you needed, God would give you. Um, and so for me, I've always kind of struggled with prayer in, in, in a way. I don't like I, I don't like to pray in front of people. I don't like to be prayed for over people. And it's something that I've had to really work through. Because I remember like one of the most angriest moments of my life working at the church was I had I had a heart surgery a year and a half ago. Yeah, I remember that. And... Um, they were, it was a very kind thing to do. And it was something that they did out of like the goodness of their heart, but they had everyone come together. And I'd only told like two or three people. I was very quiet about it. And they had had like everyone come together and like pray over me. I remember that. I was so angry, mm-hmm. like so angry in that moment because it felt in my mind, I was like, you know, I didn't ask you to do that. And it, it, to be fair, looking back on it, it was very much like a, I can handle this. I'm fine. But I was so angry about it because of how I was raised is very much like this was, it was selfish of of them to do that for me. It was a very twisted thing in my brain, but I think prayer can be a really, it can be a stronghold over a lot of people. And it definitely is for me and was for me. And I'm still working through it. A perception of prayer. A perception of prayer. Yeah. Where I'm like, I can do the Lord's prayer. I can do Hail Mary's. I can do that type of thing. But if I'm, if I'm going to sit here and ask for things that if I needed, God would give me, and it's like selfish in a way. And I'm still working through that. I, my longest prayer I ever gave in a staff meeting was God. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> well, and I feel like that's okay. Like to have to have long winded prayers is actually discouraged by Jesus. Like, yeah. but to be able to go to a quiet place mm-hmm. in the secret place and have conversation with God, the father through Jesus Christ, yeah. because you possess the Holy spirit within you. And you know, like if, if you're saying that you have relationship but you never talk like and I still that's a one that's that. that's a one-sided relationship oh, yeah. it's for your benefit like, that be, we yeah. pray i'll be like going to bed and i'll like wake up and i'm like ah dang it i forgot to pray no oh. don't the and shame shouldn't be there it's it's it, it prayer is for your benefit for you mm-hmm. to have relationships so it's not one-sided 
Well, that's the listening part. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're good at the talking part. We're not so good at the <laughs> listening part. And even even the long winded. So like when Jesus goes on and says, "Don't babble," there's actually context. This isn't saying long necessarily long winded prayers, as much as it is like. Are you just praying trying to get God's attention, or does your prayer have intention? Are you praying because you're having a conversation, because you believe in this God? Or are you just thinking that the more words you say, the more attentive God's going to be? Mm-hmm. And and so if you or read— Or the more spiritual you're going to say. Or the more spiritual, the more spiritual you're spiritual. Say, which is the comparison side, right? And if you go to Psalm 51, the Psalms are loaded with long-winded prayers. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus himself in the garden. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you think about it, I think the difference is—and and this is my own thing. Like, I remember sitting— in groups, and I think I talked about this on Sunday, I would pray, and my prayers would get long-winded because I really wanted people to think I was spiritual. Or mm-hmm. I thought if I said Jesus' name enough, that like, oh, he said my name again. Or he said my name, like, all of a sudden, that's what's <laughs> going to make him listen. And it came from a bad theology of prayer that either I didn't start it off right. Mm-hmm. I didn't start off with the Lord Jesus. For the longest time, I was told you could only pray to Jesus or only pray to the Father Usually you didn't pray to the spirit like that was weird, but they're all God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can't let, that's a whole nother conversation. Whole, I remember somebody shamed me once when I was like, I always pray to Jesus as a new Christian. Cause like Jesus is my boys. That's who <laughs> I know the best. You know, that's how I fell in love with this part, with, you know, like with, with God, Jesus with Jesus. How you fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> just his if character. There was a scripture that says something like, you know, you love him because he first loved you. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we should write that down. But then it was like, oh, you never pray to God the Father. You must be a new Christian. And I was like, what? <laughs> Is that a thing? It's interesting well, that yeah. you say that because actually I was listening to a podcast earlier this week that was like, hey, guys, actually the one who is your helper is the spirit yeah the holy spirit so mm-hmm. he, he basically was like yeah you can pray to god the father god the father's in heaven scripture says he's in heaven he's set apart and holy and so he's tag team in the holy spirit go he's go like, take you're, you're yeah. in you're in holy <laughs> spirit jumps into the ring yeah right? well and, and, and I think, where is he but this and this is even like the theology of the spirit so for instance jesus we just pray that you fill this person jesus doesn't fill you the spirit does right that was it yeah. And and uh, and the even the father, like the father sent the son, the father and the son sent the spirit. I mean, we can get into all the yeah. nuances yeah. and Jesus knows the heart. He doesn't get caught up in the language, but it does reflect our maturity or yes. experience mm-hmm. with God. Yes. Like when, when I got saved, I didn't have a dad growing up. And my my quiet times with the Lord, I would pray dad because God became my dad. Absolutely. And I remember uh, I was in high school. I think I was a senior in high school. And I started with, we had a, a guest pastor in, guest leader. I don't even know if he was pastor, older gentleman. And I started by praying and I said, dad. And he, afterwards he came and like yelled at me and said, how dare you call our king dad? Yeah. Who do you think you are? And I'm like 17 years old. This guy's got to be, I'm 46, going to be 46. He's probably my <laughs> age now. And I'm sitting going like, for me, that was the closest thing I had yeah. to a dad. Yeah. And God honored that. Jesus called him Abba which means daddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we look at the prayer and and this is the part, like the babbling side of stuff. There's a story in Kings where Elijah is on Mount Carmel challenging Mm -hmm. the prophets of Baal. And they set up this duel between the gods, Yahweh and Baal. And whoever can light this altar on fire is going to be the one true God. Oh, I love this story. And you have all the prophets and there's hundreds of prophets and they're trying to get Baal's attention to light the, light this, sacrifice on fire nothing's happening so they start to yell and scream and then they start to cut themselves and beat themselves and at one point elijah's like hey maybe your maybe your god's in the bathroom it, maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's busy relieving maybe he's himself busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so disgusting it is one and how crass is that yeah but like everybody funny. likes toilet humor right Every, yeah even the yeah. bible has potty humor yeah. right fancy, and, and they fancy just, meeting you here <laughs> so and then what does Elijah do? Elijah literally just says, God, this is paraphrased, so he didn't literally say this. First of all, he didn't speak English. <laughs> he, said a bunch of, he said a bunch of words I, I don't know how to say. But basically, it's like, God, you're the one true God. Show him. Boom, lights it on fire. And then Elijah goes and kills all the prophets from Baal, right? And, oh, but another uh, podcast. And also yeah, not a VeggieTales episode. No, the <laughs> VeggieTales episode ended before that happened. Yeah, and and here's the thing, like, there was this belief that your gods didn't want to listen, that they were busy, that because this is what makes the God of the Bible, what makes Yahweh, what makes Father, Son, Holy Spirit so different than every other God in the world 
is our God, God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He sees everything, hears everything. And some will say, well, then he hears the prayers of a non-Christian when they're directed towards him. Yeah. And so when a non-Christian cries out and says, Father, forgive me, Jesus hears. Yeah, that's the, the that's, story of the, the tax collector and the, what is it? The, and Luke? Yeah. When, yeah, when yeah. he says, I'm a sinner. Woe is me, a sinner. Yeah, right? and he's like, well, I'm so glad I'm not this guy. And he's like. Which we t- I talked yeah, about in the sermon, yeah. yeah. And, and so, yes, he does hear when the prayer is actually for him. But he's not going to hear the person who is praying to somebody else, thinking that he's talking to God. No, and, not, and this goes, again, not a very PC thing. We are not all God's children. There's a reason why it says we're adopted into the family, only those who confess Jesus. And I know that's not popular. I know people don't want to hear that. But otherwise, the adoption, what Jesus did, was not important. And I think one of the points that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks, we're going to be using the Lord's Prayer as kind of a guide to learn God's heart for us, yeah. for the world, is love. But it starts off with our Father. Well, the word our implies us. Actually, the, the better rendering is y'all, y'all's Father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the idea is, is that Jesus didn't come to make us more religious. He came to make us family, which we're going to say several times throughout this series. Because it's the reason why God hears me is that I'm a, I'm a son, you're his daughter, but that's through Jesus. And I will listen to my children. Yeah, I hear my friends' kids talking. Yeah. But when my kids speak, I listen. I'm there. And so they would babble. Even in the Greco-Romans, they would babble hoping to get Zeus's attention. So they'd, they'd go into the temple and they'd make all this noise trying to get their God's attention. And he's saying, listen, you don't need to work so hard. That's the hope in this is Jesus is literally saying, guys, you don't have to try so hard. Your father already wants to spend time with you. He's already listening to you if you're his child. And doesn't that, isn't that what it says? That he already knows what you're asking for. He already knows what's in your heart. Yeah. You need to say it. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to say is what you're asking for. And, and sometimes Romans 8 talks about that there was a groaning inside yeah. of us that when mm-hmm. we don't have the right word, that's why Jesus, why the Holy Spirit inter- knows. Intercedes. Intercedes and knows, knows what's inside of my heart. Even when I don't, and, and I've had those moments where I can't explain what I'm feeling. All I know is I don't feel right. Um, I've been a Christian 30, it's going to be 33 years coming up. And I've been in charismatic churches, and I love my charismatic brothers and sisters. I consider myself charismatic. I'm, I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. Like, I, <laughs> I, I believe, in, it in. I believe yeah. in all the gifts. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in prophecy. But I've never desired to speak in tongues. Never never cared to. I got feelings. And, and, and so uh, about a year and a half ago, I was driving back from Des Moines. And I was listening to a podcast, a guy named John Tyson, uh, Church of the City. Amazing podcast. And he's talking, and all of a sudden, and I've been really wrestling through some stuff. And without realizing it, I, did, I stopped, finally started paying attention to myself. I'd been speaking in tongues while driving. Like, all, I, I wasn't even intentional. I wasn't paying attention to myself. And all of a sudden, you ever had that where you're not paying attention to yourself? Like, have you ever stopped breathing and you don't realize you're, you've stopped breathing? It was kind of like that. And I'm, nobody else has ever done that? Okay. I've done that where I've stopped I've breathing. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm listening to myself, and I'd been speaking in tongues... But it came from this inner thing, and, and that was the first time I ever did it. And it was really a prayer language yeah. of me just trying to connect. Have, have, has that happened again? Yeah, yeah twice. So, yeah, okay. I've had it twice, but it's not. And again, some people say, Paul, because Paul talks about it, that he desires that everyone could speak in tongues. But he says, but I'd much rather have you prophesy, mm-hmm. which means proclaim truth, right. to speak the gospel, speak truth in the spirit of truth. Um I just didn't know, and not that we need to talk about talking in tongues today, speaking in tongues, but if but they also Paul also talks about you're giving gifts at a certain time for the gift you need it during that time. Sometimes, yeah, and, and there's so, and that would I wouldn't have actually called that a real tongue because the real okay. gift of tongues has to have an interpreter. Amen. I would call it a prayer language, sure, which we best describe as tongues because that's the most common form, and that should be done in private. Yes, which and, unless was. there's I an mean, interpreter, which yeah. I was in my car and, alone, because then it's useless without. That's right. Yeah. And, it, and it, a no gift is given to edify the church. Yeah. So yeah. the only person that benefited in that moment was me. Was him. Yes. And yeah. I'll tell you, it really did. And, and this and goes back to, like, I wasn't babbling. It was, it was Holy Spirit interceding, a groaning, a true groaning. I mean, I had, I had been wrestling so much to the point where I was in anguish internally over stuff. 
and I didn't know how to tell God. I was mad. I was hurt. I was angry. I was sad. All these things. And there was no one word that could come out. And I'm listening to this podcast while he's talking about the, the Holy Spirit interceding and groaning. That's and all cool. of a sudden it just starts happening. God's timing. Yeah. And I yeah. remember getting done and I just started crying. And it mm. was like all this weight kind of came off and I felt relief. And again, that's not the babbling that, that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the nonsensical stuff where you think you're getting God's attention by saying random words. And, and an example of this, we listen to Christians who don't know what to say. So what do they say? Well, you know, like Jesus and you know, like Jesus and I, their intention, they're filling. Their intention isn't to be babbling. It's that they don't know what to say. That's also, Jesus isn't talking about that. He's actually talking about people who are just talking to talk in order to hope that yeah. God hears them more. It's to like sound, to sound cool. It's PPP. Cool. It's public prayer processing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and sometimes there are, I'm a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. I mean, hello, welcome to this podcast. <laughs> I'm a verbal processor. God knows that. But it's a heart issue. It's, it's, we have to be careful not to think that Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. don't have long prayers. No, if the long prayer is coming out of being birthed out of Holy Spirit, like we have people in our church who are incredibly gifted in intercession. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their prayers are long, but they're not babbling. Yeah. And they're fully directed at Jesus. They're coming from an intimate relationship, that secret place that Jesus refers to. Yeah. Question. Do you think that it is possible to pray to God, like in your heart, fully believe that you are praying to God, and you think that you're getting this answer from God, and maybe God did answer you, but something else spoke louder. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. So like you, you like, I don't know, like an example. Like you could go and you could say something to somebody, and you're like, I heard this from God, mm. and that wasn't God. Yes. You know what I mean? Ooh. See, that's why I think it's so important that we are saying that we are people of God's word uh-huh. because you test everything you test against every prophet, God's word and every- the truth. And not just God's, God's word, word, but in God's community, because yeah, I can make absolutely. God's word say anything I want to. Yeah, and that's, that's my thing is like, do you do you think that too often a Christian person can say, well, I heard this when I was praying, so it must have been from God. So yes. I'm not even going to think about it. Oh, 100 percent. I've had individuals like, well, God told me back in the 90s during the purity movement. Um, which again, you guys are too young to remember, but there was Jonas this whole thing. Hey, I remember it. There was I a, just remember there was the Jonas this, Brothers. Yeah, there was this whole thing in which. Um, you would go up to somebody, and I had friends who did this. The Lord told me I'm supposed to marry that girl. So they'd go up and say, hey, I just want to let you know I was praying. The Lord told me we're supposed to get married. I would have ran. Awkward. Like, real <laughs> things. And, and I had one one girl who made a comment. She goes, yeah, somebody said that to me. I'm like, well, that's funny because the Lord didn't tell me that, and I think he'd tell us both. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually really clever. Good for her. That's really clever. Clever. And, and But what it came from is I can make God say anything I want to because mm-hmm. most times we don't hear an audible voice. Yeah. And and I've I've I can – I believe personally that I've heard God's audible voice twice in my life. And it was audible. It wasn't an internal voice. It wasn't that still small voice. It was like, I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. And I know it because it brought life change. And when mm-hmm. I yeah. brought it to other Christians and I shared the story, one of my friends looked at me and said, Jason, you're too dumb to think of anything like that. So that had to be God. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. And when I was like, well, praise God. And the Lord spoke, right? Praise God. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is why I don't like when Christians say, the Lord told me. What I'd rather have somebody say is, I feel like the Spirit, or I feel yeah. like God. Because yeah. that word feel implies it could just be the burrito you ate. I, well, and I always <laughs> give that like Holy Spirit disclosure. Like, y'all, I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But this is something I feel like God pressed on me. I feel like this is a word I might have received. Yeah. I don't know if it means something to you. Mm-hmm. But I need to feel like I'm being obedient to God. And so I feel like oh. I have to tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. Rather, rather, rather than I'll saying, saying I know, rather, like rather yeah. than saying yeah. I know this, you're saying I think or I feel I think. this. And, I, and I'll even add, hey, you have the same Holy Spirit I do. So discern it with, yeah, yeah. discern it with the Spirit, discern it with mm-hmm. God's word. And I feel and like sometimes. Some people have more of the Holy <laughs> I feel like some people. <laughs> Jennifer just gave me, she just gave yeah. me the wickedest eyes. Like you did not just say that. <laughs> I've got two thirds Holy Spirit. I feel like sometimes <laughs> God can place something like a word within someone to share with someone else, even if it's not relevant. Like if Jennifer were going to tell me like, hey, I really feel like God says that you should look into doing this for kids ministry. And it's like, yeah, well, I feel like God has placed a totally different vision for me. But I had to see that opposite side Mm -hmm. to test what God has given me. You know what I mean? Like, I full heartedly believe that she really could have received that from God to share with me to make sure that I'm seeing it all from oh, all, sides. all sides. Well, and, and I think a good a good rule of thumb, and I didn't invent this, is one, God can give you a word. 
just because he gave it to you doesn't mean it's yours to share. Amen to that. Sometimes, Say that again. Sometimes God presses something on you so you have something to pray about, not so you go, the Lord told me to tell you this. Mm-hmm. I, we were, It was here, actually, and I was praying over someone, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word. And I said this. I said, listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but if this is God, and so I, read, I, I said it, and they were like, yeah, I don't think that applies to me. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. When you say, I think, you can be wrong and you're not offended. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I've had individuals who, the minute you tell them, well, I don't know if that's God. Well, who are you to tell me if it's God or not? And I'm like, well, first of all, if it doesn't line up with scripture. Mm-hmm. We can tell you it's not yeah, God. Yeah, that's the first thing. But some things aren't like. Some things if, aren't that clear, right? Yeah, well, right. what if it's not in scripture? What if like I go up to Kate and say, hey, Kate, uh, the Lord told me you're supposed to adopt seven children. Okay, it's a holy gonna, number. Are you ready, John Hopple? It's, it's a holy number. <laughs> you're not going to find that in Scripture. And that's something where you have to you have to wait on the Lord and see if there's truth to that. Or what if God lays that on my heart and it's, you know, instead of going to Kate and saying that, I begin to pray, Lord, if that's your will, impress yeah. that on Kate. That's right. yeah. But we're so impatient. We want the immediacy. Oh, yeah. Then the other side is some it's people use God as a weapon yeah. to yes. get what they want. Well, God told me this, and you can't yeah. argue with God. Yeah, I had somebody like come up abuse. to me and said that they had the gift of prophecy and told me a pretty harsh, unkind thing that they said was from their gift. And it really tore me down. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to someone and being like, wow, what is this? Is that true? And it's like, that's not what the gifts are for. Mm-hmm. Gifts are not to tear someone down, to shame them, to degrade someone. You know, that, that goes against the truth. They then. tear strongholds down. Sure, absolutely. Jesus did that. But Holy Spirit conviction right. is not shame from someone in their own purposes. No. Well, this is why I love the fact that it's not my job to clean the fish or catch the fish. Jesus does both. Mine's just to be faithful and throw the net, right? Yeah. Mm. And even, even when we look at this, and this is why I, I love the text of what Jesus gets into in Matthew 6. We can focus so much on what Jesus tells us not to do, but if we really want to do the work... What is he actually pointing us to what the truth what is? What we what's do the, do. What's the thing we're supposed to we do, do, right? We are supposed to pray. Just don't be a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Don't pray for other people's benefit. We are supposed to have a secret place, but and this is interesting that in the ancient world and, and quite frankly, a lot of places in the world today, they don't have closets. Rich people had closets. Most people lived in a shack with multiple family members, and they didn't have rooms full of clothes. They had the clothes on their back. So what's this what's this quiet place? What's this what's this closet he's referring to? It's a heart condition. He's saying it's mm-hmm. if you struggle with praying out loud and not in the sense that you can't do it but you want to make sure people know you do it. Yeah. Then go somewhere else. You want one of the reasons why I often don't pray before a meal in public is because I've had to check myself am, am I just doing this so people think I'm more spiritual? Mm. Especially because they know I'm a pastor. <laughs> and like, I, I had a moment where I'm like, oh, if, I, if I don't pray, they're going to think I'm a bad pastor. That right there, I shouldn't have prayed. Or at least not out loud. That, oh, that happened to me last night. My sister and I went to a restaurant in Mason, and the youth pastor from, I can't remember the a name. Church. A church. Yeah. Uh, was sitting like right across from us, and we like got the meal, and my sister starts diving in. I was like, oh, I feel like I should probably pray. I was like, in that moment, I was like, I don't think that that's the right heart posture. Mm-hmm. You should pray because he was I, next to you. Yeah, I shouldn't. Yeah. I shouldn't just pray because the youth pastor is next to me, and I didn't want him to call you and 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 turn me in. Turn. <laughs> uh, I did get that call. Arrest no. you. <laughs> right. I was just thinking. Ooh, you, you were just talking about praying before a meal, and we almost always do. But sometimes, the company, it it would be not for their benefit for us to do that. Yeah, it would almost be, offensive. Uh, yeah, in an unhealthy way. An unhealthy. The gospel is offensive enough. I don't need to make it more offensive (laughs) by putting my religious structures on people. See, for me, I want to make sure I'm praying every time, especially like around my family where we weren't raised in it and being like, and now it's so fun when John will pray with like my family and my mom. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And she like gets excited to do it. Like there's this, there's knowing when and how. It's knowing your audience. Yeah. There are some people that it's it's okay with and there's some people that it. Yeah. But also let's, I I think sometimes some Christians can get arrogant about this stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you mean you don't pray before a meal? Ouch. That's between me and the Lord. Like, what business do you have whether or not I pray before a meal? Mm-hmm. And we can get super judgy about those things that we think people should do. And I'm like, wait, so are you praying for the right reasons? Like, I don't always pray before a meal. I don't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, do you, which meal, which which part do you pray yeah. over? Do you pray over the pray bless chips and salsa? Yeah, because I'm like, you know, me praying before a meal is between me, God, and my mozzarella sticks. Like at yeah. the end of the day. <laughs> but do you, should you pray before the mozzarella sticks or once the main? 
What about a stick of gum? You don't actually ingest it. When you pray, pray like this. That's that's coming up next week. Yeah. All right. So okay, one last question and and something to think through. What is our role in the reconnecting? So religion, Mm -hmm. there's bad religion. There's bad religion. It was a band. That's a good band, man. Yeah. There is bad religion. There's bad religion, right? And then there's true religion. And bad religion is human centered. It's me trying to do enough to impress God, to get God's attention, hoping that it's done enough, right? Good religion is actually, it flows out of the already connectedness. What is our part in that connection? Like in our prayers, in our prayers for the world, how do we balance that? How do we balance making sure that we're, we're coming out of our source, not out of trying to impress God, not even praying out of guilt or responsibility, but out of connection? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? And we'll end with that. I think for me, it's making sure it's like a heart check moment for me. Like I need to recenter. I need to reconnect to the source. It's like plugging back in and charging my phone for the day, whether it be in the morning or at night and just making sure that I've intentionally set some time aside for my benefit in my relationship. It'd be, it'd be no different than making sure I get to come home and spend time with my husband. It's a busy week. I want to spend time with him. I need to reconnect, or otherwise our relationship falters, and I know that I, oh, I've missed out on that time. I've missed out on this 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 connection, yeah. and that's what it is for me, is making sure that it's an intentional time to reconnect to that source. I need to be that intention. He's not going anywhere. When I feel far from God, it's because I've moved. He now. doesn't move. He's a constant. Yeah. I just, yeah, no, I would just second what Kate said, I think. Our part of the reconnection is knowing that we need to reconnect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our part of the reconnection is knowing that God is still waiting. He is still there. He is listening and available and ready to help us and wanting to help us. And sometimes it's our. Sometimes it's like the humbling of yourself to go, mm. yep, I'm not my own God and I can't do it by myself mm. today. Wow. And I, love, I love Jesus. And what you do when you love somebody is you make time for him. Yeah. Yeah. I had to work through the shame of prayer in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because so much of prayer when I was younger was attached to spirituality in the sense of like, I remember hearing one of the quotes was, you want to know the sign of a godly man is by the holes in his jeans and callus on his knees. Mm-hmm. And people would say things like, you know, godly people pray at least an hour a day. Dude, I can't pray for an hour. I yeah. fall asleep. Who <laughs> well, sits still that long? Well, exactly. Well, yeah, plus my mind doesn't work that way if, if, the, if it means being on your knees. Plus I'm old now and it hurts to be on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I had to work through shame and prayer. Sure. And and that actually, I found that that shame made disconnection between me and sure. God. Prayer was not something I looked forward to. And now my prayer life, I had to realize that prayer for me doesn't always mean getting on my knees, even closing my eyes. Prayer is while I'm fishing. It's the continuous. Pray continuously, right? Yeah, it's being in the presence and listening to God. It's when I'm driving. It's when I'm on the golf course. Yes, it's it's on Sunday morning when I'm preaching or leading worship. It's, it's in those moments where I'm trying to keep my ear to heaven, mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit, so that I'm connected, but I had I had so much I had a lot of shame attached to prayer sure. for me that mm-hmm. it was performance. Like if you don't pray enough, God's gonna judge you, and He only answers people who pray this amount of time. Yeah, you were ten <laughs> seconds short this week. Yeah, it sounds like you said, "Oh darn it, I missed I missed my prayer." Like my prayer quota. Point. Yeah, it's like a spiritual quota. Yeah. All right, last thing, Casey, and then let's let's wrap it up here. Yeah, um, I think for me, especially like, you know, for for me as as like a three as a person as. Uh, just For those of you I, don't know three, she's referring to her Enneagram type. Uh, I care too much about what people think about me. And it's something that I have to work through. And so for me, I feel like I go one way or the other where I get very perfectionistic. And in prayer, especially if I'm praying in front of people, I can either be like, I have to be the most eloquent speaker in the room and let me like type out my prayer before I go in. Where like we'd be in a staff meeting or something the entire time. I'm like, if they call on me, I have this thing in the back of my pocket to pull out this great word, you know, or on the other side of things, I completely shut down. I'm like, I would rather just have nobody ever call on me. So I never have to put myself in the situation of, of failing or of messing up. So I think for me, my role is I have to. I have to do the same thing that Kate and Jennifer were talking about of, of being intentional about it doesn't matter. Like God's not going to, at the end of the day, if I, if I flub a word, God's not going to be like, oh, well, prayer matters. It doesn't prayer matter matters, whether yes. or not you get all the prayer words right. Matters. It doesn't matter if I get all the words right at the end of the day. And I think for me for a while, I put getting all the words right above the prayer. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think that God, if, if I flub a word, I don't think he's going to be like, well, that's it. I'm tuning you out. 
your radio station's off now. Yeah. Um, and I'm done. And so it's also setting aside that intentional time to to fail and to mess up. Yeah. And that's okay. Kind of like when our children were learning to talk, we didn't correct them when they were kids when they said the wrong pronoun or yeah, yeah. They, used, they didn't they didn't do the right conjunction or whatever i, I, catched the I ball. still say some words wrong because of how cute it was when gabe would say like mamote like gabe oh. go grab me the mamote i still yeah. say mamote no, i never understood when people take the word frustrated and flustered and get flustrated <laughs> i don't know how that became a word but i know people like i'm flustrated what <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, uh, if you've listened to this, thank you so much for joining us. Do us a favor. If you found this favor, I just did it. If you yeah. us a favor, do us a favor. If you found this encouraging, helpful, even just fun to listen to, and, and we're new at this, we're figuring this out, and there's mm-hmm. going to be parts that maybe maybe we're like, maybe we don't do that next time. <laughs> um, but share it and, and give us your feedback. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day. And I'll tell you, our heart at Zion is to be a place of people who are continually pursuing to become more and more like Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Have an amazing day. Thank you for watching the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and share this podcast with your friends so they never miss an episode. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown.